Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we're in the Gospel of Matthew. We're finishing up chapter 11, and we've been looking at the king's commission, basically some instructions that he gave his disciples, things that he was saying after he sent them out that kind of talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now today we're going to look at, as we finish out this chapter, three different pronouncements, and they're going to have they're going to have a sense of significance to them that I think hopefully will speak to you. Because here's what I find. I find this to be true in my life. I think it's pretty much true in all of our lives. And, and that's this. If you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you've come to the place where you have acknowledged who he is, that he's God, that he died for you, that, that without him you are condemned, that you need Jesus for the forgiveness in your life. If, if you're here, you and I could come to a place where, to be honest with you, we kind of take everything for granted. And, and what I mean by that is, is that, you know, you're saved, you come to church week after week, you worship, you, you enjoy certain things. Oh yeah, it's the picnic time. I remember last year's picnic. I hope this year's picnic is just as good. And, and you get into a rut. I, I just want to say, you get in a rut spiritually. Don't we get in ruts? Where we lose the freshness of our spirituality. Part of the danger of getting into a rut is, is we don't take things serious anymore. We don't take sin serious anymore in our lives. We kind of lose touch with God. We're, we kind of sense silence from Him. And, and the reality is, is that as we look at these final three pronouncements, we're going to see that Jesus is going to talk about you and I getting serious again. Because the relationship with Christ is something that needs to be taken very serious. Now, just to help you to understand that, if you're married here or in your any kind of relationship with someone, do you ever notice that things kind of go downhill when you kind of take the other person for granted? Do you ever notice that? If you, you take the other person for granted in a relationship... You just kind of assume, but you don't work on it. Here, let me just go and help you. With all relationships, you've got to work on them. All relationships, I don't know, forget the fairy tales that you see on TV and in movies. All relationships have to be worked on, period. Because if you're not working on them, they're going backwards. Bottom line. And if you're just waiting for the other person to work on it, you're in trouble. Because you got to work on it too. Well, the same thing's true in your relationship with God. You've got to get serious about your relationship with God. You've got to get serious about your relationship with Jesus. Because the moment you take it for granted, and you just say, well, you know, I've got that heaven thing taken care of, and I know he forgives me. And can I be honest with you? That's the most deadliest thing for you and I, is knowing that we're forgiven because you just take it for granted. And before you know it, you start saying things like this. 
Well, I can remember when God really talked to me. Now I just get silence. I can remember when I would see him answer prayer. Haven't seen him do that in a while. And, and you start to wonder, why, why, why are things different? Why, where's his blessing? That's the kind of questions you ask. Where his, where's his blessing? God, why aren't you blessing us anymore? Why aren't you blessing me? And I'll be honest with you, it's because you weren't serious anymore. You didn't take your relationship with him to be serious. So let's, we're going to look today. We're going to look at some different things here that he's making a pronouncement of in verses 20 through 30. We're going to finish up this chapter. He's going to say three different things. It's almost like he's saying three different things. Can I say that to you? He's almost like he's saying three different things, but they're actually interconnected. They're actually connected to each other. They build on each other. So let's take a look. Look with me at verse 20, chapter 11, and look what Matthew writes. Then he began to rebuke the cities, which most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethesda! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it'll be more tolerable in Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable in the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and of earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal it. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Interesting passage. Again, three different pronouncements. They're connected together. We don't see, kind of see that here. But what we're going to do is we're going to examine this and try to learn what we can about getting serious about Jesus in our lives. What we're going to do is we're going to look, first of all, at responsibility. That's a word we don't really like in our culture anymore. But responsibility. We're going to look at intimacy, what true intimacy is, and the availability of intimacy for you and I. And then we're going to look at the invitation. There's an invitation that Jesus gives. First of all, let's look at the issue of responsibility. Jesus pronounces basically a judgment against three different cities or villages. He rebukes them because he did great mighty works in these cities, in these villages. And they did not respond to him. So he's going to pronounce a judgment on them, which basically shows us responsibility that you and I have. 
Let's take a look at them. First of all, first thing I want you to see. Look at what he says there. Verse 21, first pronouncement. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethesda. For if the mighty works which had been done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, you would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable in Tyre and Sidon than in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works had been done in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. And I say to you, it shall be more tolerable in the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Here's what I want you to see. Number one, there is a responsibility with the knowledge of Jesus. Here's what he's saying. He's saying to these Israeli cities. Now, you got to understand, here's where the Israelis were. They were the people of God. They were the chosen of God. They, they believed that heaven was theirs. And here's Jesus. He goes into Chorazin. He goes into Bethesda. He goes into Capernaum. And he does his mighty works. What kind of mighty works? He heals. He teaches. Raises the dead. Makes the lame walk. The blind can see. Preaches the good news about God to them. But here's the problem. In spite of all that he was doing, they didn't respond. And here's what I want you to see. Jesus comes along and he says, as he rebukes these cities, he said, there's a responsibility with what you know. See, folks, you and I need to wake up to that. You're here, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You know who he is. You know what he's done for you. You know what he can do for you. You know how he answers prayers. He has shown himself mighty in your life before. And there's a responsibility that goes along with that. But the problem is, is that we've taken it for granted. The problem is we're not serious anymore. And sometimes we need to be reminded that there's a responsibility with what you know. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's the thing. You're the one who gets knowledge. You're the one who sees God in your life. You're going to be judged based upon what you do with what you know. In fact, I think it's interesting. Look at the cities he mentions here. He mentions three cities. Tyre and Sidon. I think that's pretty interesting because to the Jew, they would be the epitome of unbelievers. It's going to be more tolerable for unbelievers in the day of judgment than it will be for those who think they know God. Wow. He mentions one other city, Sodom. Now, isn't it interesting? He's going to say, I did these great works. If I had done them in Sodom, they would still be standing today. It's going to be more tolerable for Sodom than it is for you. What's the point here? He's talking about responsibility. You are responsible for what you know. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem, folks. Here's the difficulty that we have. We live in a culture today, let's just say it, where nobody's responsible for anything. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, let's just be honest. So your kid's not doing well in school. Must be the teacher's fault, not the kid's fault. Do you know what I'm saying? There was a time when you brought home a report card and it was bad. Guess who got the whooping? It wasn't the teacher. Now the teacher gets the whooping. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, you get, your kid gets in trouble with the law or somebody gets in trouble with the law. It's not your fault because you got it broke the law. It's the officer's fault. He's being mean. That's the culture we live in today. Now, the problem is, is we, we all say, yeah, that's right, George. Yeah, but the problem is, is we live just like that ourselves. 
It's nice for us to say, oh, yeah, I can, the teacher, yeah, he's getting it, it's pretty bad. Yeah, but we live the exact same way. We don't want to own responsibility for our actions anymore. We don't want to own any kind of responsibility. The problem is, is Jesus has come along and saying, yeah, you are responsible. You're responsible for what you know. And the more you know, the more you're responsible for. In fact, the second thing I want you to see there is this. You will be judged according to that knowledge. This is what Jesus is saying. When he says it'll be more tolerable to these pagan cities than it is for these Jewish cities because of the great works he did for them, he's basically saying, in these cities that I did this great works, you had a greater knowledge of who I was and and the greater knowledge of the things of God than these cities that had no clue. Guess what? Your judgment's going to be greater. See, you're going to be judged according to what you know. I think it's interesting. James says this, To him who knows to do good and doeth it not... It is sin. That's consistent throughout the scripture. The more you know, the more you're responsible for. You got to start taking it serious. See, the problem is, is we're taking it for granted. We're just kind of coasting. You're coasting. I'm coasting. We're just expecting the blessing of God. And when the blessing's not there, we're like, well, I wonder why that's happening. Could it be that God's trying to get our attention? Could it be that he's trying to get our attention? Because we're not acting on what we know. Do you know what I'm saying? Here's the other thing. He goes on to into a second pronouncement. Now it's like, wait a minute now. Okay, I understand this whole thing about responsibility. But now he's going to talk about the intimacy that he has with the Father. What does that have to do with each other? Well, look again. Look with me, verse 25. Look at what he says there in chapter 11. At this time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you for... Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by the Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. He kind of goes right next into another pronouncement that's connected together, because here's the thing. When you start getting serious about the fact that you're responsible for what you know about God, the next question that comes out of your heart is, is this, so what do I do? Listen to what I'm saying. At some point, you begin to realize, you know what, I have been taking things for granted. And the freshness of God's not there anymore. Ever been there? The freshness of and the zeal that I once had for him were... I was amazed that he would answer prayers, is gone. Because I took him for granted. How, how do I get back to where I need to be? How do, I, how do I get serious now about him again? Well, then he enters into this pronouncement. And he's talking about intimacy that he has with the Father. But he says that intimacy that he has with the Father, the wise can't understand it, but the children can. So here's what we see. Here's what he's going to tell us to do. Several things here. Number one, true spirituality requires that we're like children. True spirituality requires that we be like children, that we're like children. What do you mean? Well, here's what I'm saying. Here's what happens. One of the things that happens with knowledge, knowledge, Paul will say in Corinthians, puffs up. 
it gives you a big head. The more you know, the, the more you walk with Jesus, the more you think you've got your act together. Well, the problem is you begin to take him for granted. Now, how do I get back to where I was before? Well, you know what? It's interesting to me. When I look back to when I first became a Christian and I was excited for Jesus, part of the excitement was is that I hadn't known everything yet. Everything was new to me. And I just believed that God could do anything. You ever remember those times when you believed that God could do anything? Like a little child coming to you, Daddy, and saying, Daddy, take care of this. Daddy, fix this problem. Can Daddy do anything? Yeah, Mommy and Daddy can do anything. Little children believe that, don't they? Now, what happens when they no longer believe it? They get older, right? Some of us need to quit getting older in our faith and go back to being what? Babes. Children again. Where we'll trust him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Trust him. True spirituality requires that we are like children. Here's the second thing I want you to see. He comes right out and he tells it to us. God the Father and Jesus enjoy true intimacy. God the Father and Jesus enjoy true intimacy. He's very much saying here, look at what he says here. I think it's very interesting. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. That's talking about true intimacy here. They know things about each other that you and I don't know. You say, I still can't get it. What are you talking about? Well, here. You know, I just last month, Lori and I celebrated 23 years of marriage. 23 years of marriage. And, and I think about the knowledge that we have of each other, the things that we share. There are things that we talk about to each other that our kids don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? If you're married here, you know what I'm talking about. There, there's a level of intimacy, a level of understanding that is only exists between the two of us. Nobody else knows about that. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? If you're married here, you know what I'm talking about. Because we have conversations that are between the two of us. So she knows me, I know her. She knows things about me that you don't know. What are they? I'm not telling you. Okay? I know things about her. What are they? I'm not telling you. I want to be alive. Okay? Do you understand? Where does that knowledge come from? A relationship. Intimacy. This is what he's saying. He and the Father, Jesus and the Father, have that kind of intimacy where they share things with each other that no one else knows. Okay, wait a minute now, George. Hold on a second. I see that. I get that. Great illustration. What does that got to do with what we're talking about here? Because we're talking about getting serious, and, and so you're telling me about this relationship between God and Jesus. Wonderful. What does that got to do with us? Well, look at that last part of that verse in 27, and then you'll see what it has to do with you. And the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. What's he saying here? Access to that intimacy is available. All right, we see he's saying, there's this relationship that God the Father and Jesus have with each other, and they share things that only they know. But then he says, that intimacy and what's known there is available to those whom the this, this Son wills to reveal it. Who's he will to reveal it? His children, you and I, 
All right, let's stop for a moment. What's that got to do with anything? Here, let me just say it. Here we are. We're going through our Christian life. We remember a time when God was very real to us. We remember a time when we were excited about God, and, but yet we've, we've taken him for granted, haven't we? We've kind of, kind of gotten in a rut. But yet we're realizing, you know, we're responsible, and we're responsible for what we know and the level of knowledge that we have. But yet Jesus is talking about this intimacy, and he's saying to you, you know what, that intimacy is still available to you. Don't you want that intimacy? You remember when you had it. You say, I've never had it. You can stay, you can have it. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. That's probably, can I be honest with you, as I'm getting older, Brad talked about this earlier, about as he's getting older, he's realizing some things about himself. He's realizing about how God sees things. Here's one thing that I'm realizing as I get older. Every one of us here craves that intimacy. How do you know that? Because I look at the stuff we try to fill our lives with to satisfy it, and it doesn't. Because the only one who can satisfy it is that relationship with Jesus. What do we try to satisfy it with? Hobbies, work, food, sex, alcohol, drugs. And it's like an endless trying to satisfy it. And it cannot be satisfied. So we find ourselves ensnared in things because we long for that intimacy that's there. We want it, don't we? That access to that, that intimacy is available. And it's like, okay, all right, oh, great. So, all right, I see it now, the first pronouncement. We've got to get serious because there's a responsibility. And, yeah, he's telling us about this true intimacy, that we need to be like children again, and, and he'll reveal things to us. And how do we get there? You haven't told me how to get there yet, George. Well, it comes the third pronouncement. Look with me at the third pronouncement. I think it's very interesting that after saying these things, he says this. Listen to what he says. Verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Here's the third pronouncement, folks. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to you and I. You know, we, we recognize that we're responsible. We haven't responded to him the way we should. And, 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 and we're responsible for what we know. But yet there's this true intimacy that he, he has with the Father and that he reveals to us. So what do we do about it? Here's the invitation. Come to him. Come to him all you who labor and are heavy laden. Here's what Jesus is doing. Number one, Jesus offers rest to those who are struggling and are overwhelmed. You know, when he says to me, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, that describes us, doesn't it? That pretty much describes us. I was looking at that and I thought, you know, hey, that's everybody. You might have had a good week this week. It might even be a good month. And for some of you, you might be saying, well, you know, 2016 ain't been bad. But maybe you need to remember 2015. And the fact of the matter is, is that we struggle, don't we? And have you noticed that even when things are, quote, good, you're struggling? See, here's the thing. Jesus offers rest. Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isn't that what we long for? Jesus says, I offer you that rest. Here's the other thing I want you to see. 
He just doesn't offer you rest. He offers you direction. Jesus offers to give direction for your life. Look at what he says. Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Look at what, Take my yoke upon you. Now, we have, you know, in our, some of you, unless you grew up on a farm and you had animals that did the plowing or whatever, we've lost the whole concept of yokes because we have mechanized things to help us do farming now. But back, even 150 years ago, you would yoke animals to a plow. And, and the reason why you yoked them is so that the, so that the farmer could give them direction to what needed to happen for the plowing to take place. And he's using that illustration here. He's saying, take my yoke upon you. Let me give you direction. He wants to give you direction. Jesus offers to give you direction for your life. Now, here's the problem, though. Somewhere along the line, we've become convinced of something. And that is, you know, if I let Jesus take control, I don't know that I will like that. Maybe he'll send me somewhere that I don't need to be. Here's what Jesus says. Look at what he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for yourself. Because look at verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's the final thing I want you to see. His direction for life is not a burden. You've got to be convinced of that. You've got to be convinced that what he wants for your life is not a burden. Now, here's the problem, though. The problem is, and I've been there, so I'm not saying something that I'm not familiar with. I'm very familiar with this because we get this mindset that says, well, you know what, God, you're holding back on me. If I, if I do what you're asking me, you're, you're, you're holding back on me. Yeah, he is holding back on you because maybe he's holding back on you to protect you. It's not rocket scientists, folks. You know, I have four kids. And they're constantly asking us things, asking Lori and I, hey, can I do this? Can I stay here? Can I do this? And a lot of times we'll say, no. Now, when you're a young teenager, I know, because I remember being told no a lot of times. When I was young, I thought, man, they're just, I'm like a bird in a cage. I need to be set free. Thank goodness for the cage. When you get older, you realize, and then, you create cages for your kids now, right? It seemed like a burden, but it was not. It was to protect. It was to guide. It was to help you. See, his direction for life is not a burden. See, you and I, you know what? We've got to quit taking it for granted. We've got to get serious. We've got to want that intimacy with him. We've got to want that rest. But what that's going to require, here's what it's going to require, folks. Letting him take control. Letting him guide you. Letting him give direction. And listen, and, and here's what it requires. When you talk about taking direction, it means this. Saying yes. Okay, I'll do it. And you walk down that path. Now here's the thing. Immediately, the enemy will come to you and say, well, no, don't walk down that path because you're missing out or it's going to, no, no. Here's what I want you to understand. He said he'll be gentle. He'll, he, he said he would bring you rest and peace for your soul. I'm going to tell you right now, you go down the path he wants for you, it will bring you life. And you realize it. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? You'll realize it. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.